Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. It is a gloomy Wednesday here in Lincoln. Gentlemen, how are you doing? It's a good day uh, if you're in a police chase to get away from the cops. They might lose you in the in the gray, grayness. I, I really wish that uh, some of our best conversations are never recorded. Brunt's giving his tips as to how someone should be able to escape in a high-speed chase based on his... Go downtown. It now feels like years of just watching these things. Like, Do you have like a search set up on Twitter so you know when these chases are? No, there's, there's a Twitter account that when there's a, a police chase being broadcast anywhere in this country, sends out an alert. I have it... I get pinged on my phone, and then if I want to, I open up the. Depending on what's going on, usually nothing. I, uh, I I watch a little bit. Today, for example, guy in Florida steals a car, ditches the car, gets on a motorcycle, and then continues the chase. So you could be at like a formal dinner. Ping. Yeah. It's like, excuse me. Yeah. I just got. I, I need to out. get up from the I table. I got to step out. I got to. I got to check this out. Yeah. Do you have like a top three favorite chases of all? Like, is there a, a most notable chase that you can think of? Well, OJ. Well, okay. You, <laughs> you don't get to use OJ. No, there's not. But to, to give you an, an example of how I'm not the only person that does this. so well, the, No one said you were. I know, but you, I feel like you guys are chase shaming me. <laughs> no one is chase shaming. So... I mean, we're just not part of the, the there's chase a, culture. There's a Facebook broadcast of a, a police chase in California. It's a guy on a motorcycle. For some reason, they're always on motorcycles. There's like 19,000 people watching it on Facebook at one time. Like people from, from Michigan. Like it, it's, a, it's an interesting subset of American culture watching police chases at like 11 o'clock at night. I think my favorite part of that is that Michigan was the random place that you chose well, to illustrate a, a guy like, like, There are people from Michigan! A guy right? on Facebook. Michigan. He, As if Nebraska isn't weirder. The guy goes checking in from Detroit. It's like 1230 <laughs> in the morning there. So it's like one of the Facebook videos we do after a game. Yeah. GBR from Houston. GBR from New Mexico. Oh, man. That's great. So yeah, the, but apparently the this this particular chase, uh, the guy ditched the motorcycle and they're looking for him in a in a forest. Admit though, whenever I pulled it up on the screen, you were so oh, you was, were transfixed. I was watching. Yeah, I just I never know when this stuff is going on. It's like when the llamas escaped and oh, people yeah. were like really losing their mind over it, and I just I came to it late. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to like the the stuff that blows up on the internet. I tend to. You're like not. me with TV shows. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah, like I, I'm just, I'm out. I didn't. It's not that I want to be out on it. I just, I don't even know what's going on. That's fair. So, Brian, what's up? Yeah, I, Brian. I have nothing to add. I told you guys, I, I used to dream about being in a police chase and a stolen car and getting away, and I would be very happy with myself in the morning when I woke up. They apparently arrested the guy in the forest, by the way. Update. Just got, just got an update. <laughs> Very nice. Is that a Hurricanes hat that you are currently wearing? Yeah, yeah, it is. Carolyn yeah. Hurricanes. I'm, oh, a long, I'm a long-time fan, as you uh, know. That's, uh, I was just checking. <laughs> Did you like them when they were the Whalers? Yeah, I, I briefly know that they were the Whalers, and uh, I I just got this hat because I kind of like the logo, not because I just jumped on the bandwagon. I huh? got this hat prior to the Stanley Cup playoff okay. run. Well, that's good. Yeah. The, Brunt, how much Whalers gear do you have sitting in a shopping cart 
on the internet that you haven't. Well, that, that's the one purchase I've made was, was that Whalers hat. I've I've got some other I've got some minor league baseball hats sitting in a cart. Oh man! All right, we're we're four minutes in. I'm going to pull this into all right to Nebraska a little bit. So where Nebraska sits right now in 2019 in the Big Ten West, I think is one of the more interesting off season conversations you can have. And Brunch, you posted on the message board yesterday asking people to provide their power rankings of the Big Ten West. And I was curious, kind of reading through those, what people were thinking. And this is a conversation that I had just had uh, yesterday with Alan True. Um, and and just he feels, and, and I agree, and this is something that I'm curious where you guys are at, that the the middle of the Big Ten has probably never been deeper in terms of you have a lot of programs that are capable of beating – the teams in the upper echelon, if they stumble a little bit, whereas before, if you did, maybe you weren't winning by 21, you're only winning by seven. But now, I mean, you got teams like Minnesota, Purdue, that are claiming scalps um, that, that weren't necessarily doing that in the past. Do you guys see that in the same way that, that Allen does, and I guess that I do, where the Big Ten is, is deeper now and it's, it's a little bit more dangerous uh, when you're trying to project season records? Yeah, there, there's no question – that like teams three through six are much better and could could be teams one and two this year. I mean, like Minnesota's the to me the best example. Like halfway through the season last year, I was like, yeah, kind of making PJ Fleck jokes about him sprinting down the sideline and all this stuff. Then in November, after they got humbled by Nebraska, they switched D coordinators. And they We're kinda, a different team. Yeah, they found themselves, and they, they laid it on Wisconsin, who was laboring to the finish line. They laid it on Purdue. Yep, and uh, had a good bowl game. Yep. And so now, I mean, they think they can win the West uh, just as much as Nebraska does, and uh, Purdue thinks they can win the West. The only team I don't think thinks they can win the West is Illinois probably. Uh, so that's where we're at. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and they just got a grad transfer quarterback from USC, right? think did he commit there i believe so so they're out of the tommy stevens sweepstakes well t- old tommy is taking other visits i guess yeah so but i mean it, it's it's an interesting conversation because this time of year i always look at the quarterbacks like who has a returning quarterback because i think that's such a big piece and kind of just a you know you're starting from a higher a higher floor i guess in terms of what you can be in a particular year i mean it's hard to imagine that, you know, two years ago, if you would have said, okay, the, the trending programs in the Big Ten West are going to be Purdue, Minnesota, and Wisconsin's going to be the team that everybody's a little bit out on. I, I don't think I probably would have agreed with that then. But, I mean, that, that's when you have teams like Purdue really throwing money into guys like Jeff Brom, um, I, I think it's, it's going to be a lot harder to – to win in the Big Ten West, and, and it, you're going to see more even records, but for, for different reasons than maybe what it's been in the past. I mean, before it was like, who, who do you play in the East? And now it's like, you know, it just feels like some of these teams are going to beat up on each other. I feel like the most dangerous thing going on right now this offseason with the Big Ten West talk is pushing Wisconsin to the side just because they had kind of a down year and – I, I know they got to replace like their whole offensive line, but that hasn't stopped them in previous years from doing just that and being fine. And so 
I don't I don't know which way they're going to go, but they should be better at quarterback than they've been in the past. And I, ju- I just think I think people should be careful to kind of push so, them to the back. It's a big limb you're stepping on saying that they're going to be better than Alex Hornibrook, former Orange Bowl MVP. I was just like setting it on a tee so you could talk about Alex Hornibrook. I've decided the other day that I've got to just move on from Alex Hornibrook. Just the the less I talk about him, the it's better. like one of those life goals you made, like yeah. four or five really important life goals, and like three was less talk about Alex Hornibrook. <laughs> yeah, and, and it needs to happen, so we're, we'll move on from that. But I, I'm I'm with you. I, I've noticed this from Nebraska fans when I've been in this discussion that feels like they've either forgotten or have kind of moved past. The idea that the the West still kind of runs through Wisconsin. I mean, Graham Mertz, the quarterback that they have in this uh, upcoming class, looks like he's very much the the real deal, or this previous class, I should say. And he's going to be battling Jack Cohn for that job. I mean, if you put a legitimate quarterback on some of those Wisconsin teams of recent years, you might be talking about them being in the the college football playoff uh, the year that they were undefeated and lost – in a relatively close game to Ohio State. So I, I think that Wisconsin still, with their defense, they're still going to be, uh, you know, tough to deal with there. They still have an offense that Nebraska has yet to figure out since uh, they've transitioned into the Big Ten, really. And until Nebraska starts to beat the Wisconsinans and the Iowas, I have a tough time moving either of those teams to the side. It's more so that I think Nebraska's challenge is that they can't fall behind Minnesota-Purdue as well. I mean, I think those teams have raised their game as much as Nebraska has. It's funny looking at Iowa, too. I mean, they've, they've got a returning starting quarterback, one of the, the better ones that they've had in program history, at least statistically, and, and they potentially have two top ten draft picks on that roster still for next year in Epineza and Tristan Wirth. So, you know, it's – I mean, Kirk Ferentz is going to be, you know, he's going to win his eight games. But, I mean, they've got some guys that they can build around. I mean, they obviously have to replace two big pieces of their offense at the tight end spot. But it's not like the cupboards, you know, exactly bare there. I mean, that we were talking last time. I mean, when Nebraska's last first-round draft pick was, and I was going to have what, four probably in the span of two years. Yeah, that's uh... – it's pretty remarkable considering that they didn't do enough with it last year. I mean, they had a better team than how really their season finished out. Here's what's funny. We've talked about the Big Ten West now for about five minutes. Nobody's mentioned Northwestern. They won it last year somehow. Some way, somehow, that team won the Big Ten West. And yet, if you were to ask me, I think I'd rank them six going into this year of the the – seven teams in the Big Ten West. That's because they they live on such a fine line. Like every, their margin for error is every small, year. Yeah. And they're just they're a smart team that usually doesn't beat itself and they find a way to win a lot of twenty to seventeen games. But when we're thirty five thirty one. Yes. But you kinda look at it or and thirty four, whatever it was. And you say the law of averages is going to flip that, and I think that's what most people say. But what they're going to go with Hunter Johnson? Is he going to be the guy? Uh, yeah, I believe that's the case. At QB, so I mean that's kind of exciting. Um, well, they put they put QBs in the league. Clayton Thorson got picked. 
I put the <laughs> Clayton. <laughs> I I put them. I made some sock listings post spring, and I have Northwestern as the those sports socks uh, with the two stripes on them with mm. bikey shorts. They're like those socks, but they feel good about how they look in them. That's Northwestern, I think, coming out of the spring. <laughs> you know, like a guy from 1977 who just like steps out and is like, I look good in these two stripe socks. That's Northwestern. A, a guy who might have coached some baseball in like the 1980s. He probably coached multiple sports at the school, yes. <laughs> so North, Northwestern, here's their schedule to start the year, and it is brutal. So they go to Stanford to start, then they, they get UNLV at home, then they get Michigan State at home, at Wisconsin, at Nebraska, Ohio State at home, Iowa at home. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty tough go when you're, uh, you know, starting a new quarterback who's talented for sure. But, um, I mean, it, it's going to test them. And, and as, like you said, that margin for error – being what it is, I mean that's that's. I guess you get a bye week between Nebraska and Ohio State, but still. Pat Fitzgerald has one of the best jobs in football to me, and I always laugh when people are like, "Oh, he should move or do this and that." Why he gets to fill scratch his competitive itch, and he gets to coach at a school where, with a schedule like that, if you're coaching at a Nebraska or Ohio State or someplace, and you start two and three or whatever. You're dealing with noise and kind of a what's happening, sky is falling type feeling. At Northwestern, you just work in silence, and it's got to be beautiful. Like, you can go through those stretches and not have everything else that everybody else is saying impact your program at all. And so I think it's a huge advantage they have. And he's proven that, I mean, they were able to go and win a division title there. I mean, he's, he's yep. had you know success. Like, he's it's not that... He's just living and dying on, you know, seven and five seasons by any means. So uh, you're right. I mean, I, he does have a, a pretty plum gig. And, I mean, he's paid pretty well, too. Do you uh, do you have any other socks that, that you've thought yeah, about? Yeah, I did some socks, some sock talk, because we hadn't done it in a while. And we felt like after the spring we needed to yeah. really do- dive into that. Did you? Do we want to open this up to the Big Ten East? Because I got a couple questions there. I didn't too. think about those socks, but okay. I can. Okay. I can. Well, let's <laughs> let's get to your Big Ten West socks first, and then we'll talk well, about I'd, the East. And I'm. This is up for debate. Socks. I mean, just because I say these are their socks, I want to hear what you say. But well, with, not everybody considers all the same socks to be stylish or good. So I that's... think I like wool socks. Like I do. Ever since I went to. <laughs> Viking Seahawks playoff game when it was below zero weather. I wore double wool socks and I so now I just wear them around the house all the time. I feel like Wisconsin is a dependable pair of wool socks that still, even after with offensive line changes and a rough season, they feel good wearing them around the house. But now they're gonna try to go out and go to High V with some wool socks and some $100 sneakers on. And how that's gonna work, I don't know. But they're going to feel comfortable in it, no matter what anybody thinks about it. That's what I got them as. So okay. basically, the gist here is Wisconsin feels comfortable with what it's wearing and what it's doing, regardless of how other people might judge it. Yeah, like their wool socks are pulled up, and they're wearing shorts so you can see them. It's not hidden under pants. And <laughs> they just got like an armful of brats and yeah. some 
beer cheese. And, and there's like a college girl in aisle four is like looking at him like, I don't know. But they don't care, you know. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> What about Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they're just like, uh, you know the kid in high school who uh, like had those Tries like, too hard. Way too color, like color, like they'd wear to a Friday night basketball game where they're like really colorful socks and like, look at me, I'm wearing a cape also, you know, <laughs> sort of thing. That's that's Minnesota. People in Omaha North wore capes. Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. Okay. I, th- I think it was. I I know that some people do in high school basketball okay. games, but you know, like the guy in the student section who's maybe a little too into it. Um, and obviously, I'm thinking of PJ Fleck as I'm thinking about these socks, but, um, and yet, and yet, their personality, um, it might work. I don't know. There might be there might be somebody who says I I'm okay with that because they, they've it's I'm I'm starting to come around on Fleck a little bit that he might not be a complete failure there. So one of those things where if you squint and turn your head enough, you can kind of see and it makes sense a little bit. You're like you're you kind of admire the person wearing those colorful socks and the cape because they're not afraid to be them. You know, it's like they'll step out on that ledge. And at first it was annoying, but now you're like, okay, we'll see. Let's give you a hard one here. What do Nebraska socks look like? Oh, I think this one's easy. Oh, oh. I think Nebraska. Thanks to Adrian Martinez, it feels like they got a nice pair of like Spearies or some boat shoes but you got to get those socks you know that you wear with the Spearies that are the not just ankle cut but they're even lower than that the, the no-shows yeah the no-show socks and if wait you, so you're calling Nebraska a no-show no 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 but if you if you pull off the look you think it's awesome like you got the boat shoes and, you, and you're not stinking up your new shoes because you still got those no-shows and you're feeling good but I don't know if everybody else has the same problem I do if I ever wore those. The no-shows will crinkle up and get down in the bottom of your, you know, foot. There's and, a margin for error with the no-shows. And so it can be, and that makes it a bad day then. You're walking around always having to adjust it and get inside your boat shoe and pull it up. And so that's Nebraska right now because you don't know with the uh, interior of the O-line. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of faith that they're going to be good on offense just because of Martinez and Frost. And yeah, they could be crinkled and bald at the bottom of the foot. There's all these question marks at spots where you could say, yeah, that could be a tough day walking around in the boat shoes. Have you been anywhere wearing your boat shoes and your no shows and you you go and you got to take your shoes off and then you're walking around in the no show (laughs) socks? Yeah, see, that's also that's also a downside. You got to have no shows. I mean, it's it's not always the most comfortable feeling walking around with what looks like ballet shoes on. (laughs) Well, I mean, that could. That could be Nebraska and at Colorado, for all we know. I mean, they could have to go in someone's house where, like, we'd prefer you take your shoes off and you, you're walking around like that, and then you got to figure it out. Illinois? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have sounded no. more surprised. This, this is just moderately We're entertaining. Just going back and forth with teams, and all of a sudden you just didn't even know that it was going to be your turn. No. Il- Illinois doesn't have any socks. They have <laughs> They have. They have – their shoes just kind of smell, but like an old beard that hasn't been washed. <laughs> like was an it? old beard that just coached a game in, a, in the rain. But but they did go out to Target and they got some spray or whatever you know you can put in your shoes. So they're trying to at least cover the stench, and you know you you can accept that 
Well, when you look at them, I mean, even though they don't have socks, you could at first glance think maybe they do have like no-show socks, you know, like under there. And then you look closer and you realize they don't have any socks at all. And you're like, this, these guys are bums, you know? I, I don't even know if they went and got spray. I feel like what they've done a little bit is they went and bought some like attempted to be flashy shoes from Payless, but they didn't wear socks with them. And they're definitely buying all their socks. They're, tr- they're thinking about if they're going to buy socks, they're going to get them in St. Louis. <laughs> There's no question about that. They're going to special get, St. Louis socks. Yeah, that's the only place they will get their socks if they're going to be purchased. Well, we've uh, and Corey Patterson is going to purchase yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> what we've gone through four teams now. I want to know what Iowa socks look like. If if Wisconsin's wearing the the wool socks, what what does an Iowa sock look like? Really expensive wool socks. <laughs> oh, I think Iowa's wearing gold toe dress socks. <laughs> that you would wear at Sunday church. I have a few pairs of those. Yeah, so do I. I say so I can. I mean, it's dependable, and yeah, you, you know what you're going to get. You can wear in a Sunday church, but it's, a good fit. it's now like three thirty on Sunday afternoon, and you're still in your gold toes. You didn't bother to change out of them, and so you're kind of lounging around with the the gold toes. So it works for you, but maybe not everybody else. You wear them a little too long. Yeah, and then you kind of wear them out in the bottom, and then they're not. You're gonna have to get more gold toes for twenty more years. You know, that's yeah. basically it. Your two teams left. Do you know which two? It's uh, Purdue and uh, who am I forgetting? Northwestern. Northwestern. Well, I did say I think Northwestern is like the '70s two stripe. Yeah, he, yeah. He talked. So that one's that one's okay. done. So, so finish up with Purdue. What's the what's Brom and let's play football wearing? Yeah, uh, I think Purdue kind of flashy on offense. I'd say they have ankle cut socks, but they have not worked out their calves enough, and so it's like it's like uh, they haven't done the Phil Mickelson calf training. You know, uh, people have followed along. They're with not that. hitting bombs. Yeah, they're not hitting bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so. I would say Ohio State would disagree with that. So Purdue is like I feel like I I wear ankle cut socks a lot, but I'm always like, man, I wish I wish I'd like done some leg work a little bit down there, you know. That in October, November. So what you're saying at your like 24 hour fitness place is you're not you're doing too much abs, well, too much upper it body. It was right there. <laughs> not enough legs. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. Uh, I feel agree to disagree with the. Uh, I actually think most of these are pretty good. With the like, socks, it feels like in some ways they don't change um, very much with these programs. But I feel really good about Nebraska's. I, I feel like they are the no-show socks that are cool, that can be cool, but it can be a it can be a bad day if you don't figure it out just right. I'm just thinking of recent history of Nebraska football and someone saying, "I feel good about Nebraska. They are the no show." <laughs> no show. Yeah, song. it needs to be taken yeah, in mean, complete sock context yeah, here. Yeah, you, you you need the context. Yeah. There's no there's no question. You take any of this out of context. I don't want you tweeting out anything like Brian says um, Nebraska's a no show. No, I will not. I will absolutely <laughs> not do that. That's uh, that's Brunce's department. Not mine. So he's already looking for. Some well, I yeah. I was gonna get into some Big Ten East stuff, but maybe we'll save that for another time. I know um, we've got some other things that we want to get to. We're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk about Dedrick Mills' academic situation. You get a little bit deeper into Nebraska basketball. They missed out on Jace Johnson. What's next? 
for the Huskers as they continue to assemble a roster. They had a little attrition themselves. And uh, a few more things on the other side. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's get into Nebraska football. Some of the more interesting news of the week centers around Nebraska running back signee Dedrick Mills. Been several reports about his academic status. What we basically know at this point is that he needs to have a 2.5 GPA to be able to enroll over at Nebraska from his junior college. He's already graduated, so he's taking extra coursework to get that GPA higher. Everything I had heard, even prior to the reports coming out, is that things were still in a pretty good situation for Nebraska to land Dedrick Mills. He has several classes he has to finish up at this point, and then he will know if he can enroll in May or if he has to take another class or two to be able to do it in the summer. But I think, in all honesty, I know that it seems like everybody's expecting now at this point he's not going to make it or it's going to be borderline. I still think he's in pretty good shape. I still expect that he's going to be on Nebraska's roster, and I, I expect that he's going to be a big part of their 2019 push. Yeah, and, well, I mean, I don't know exactly what he needs, if he needs a couple A's and a B or whatever, but um, in situations like that, his attention should be fully on that. And there's people around him who, I mean, people want those guys to succeed if you've ever – even if you watch a Netflix show about junior college, you know that there's people that want those guys to be success stories and are going to work hard with them to get it done. So I'm, I'm with Schaefer. I, uh, this is never a slam dunk. I mean, even in signing day, if you remember, Scott Frost brought it up on his own. He said, you know, he's got some stuff to handle is how he put it, but we feel good about it. And I think that's probably the same line today as it was back in uh, February. Yeah, I've never, I haven't gotten the sense that anything's really changed in terms of you know, Nebraska's unease about the situation. I mean, it. I remember there have been a couple mentions that maybe he wouldn't even get there till July anyways. So. Well, some of it's set up based on how, you know, if, if he's able to get there now, it's so he could do the first five-week session. Right. If he can't get in the first five-week session, the next one starts in July. Like, it... it People sometimes don't understand that they just can't show up and then they're not in class and, you know, you got to enroll, you're in school. So it's, it's a little bit dictated on Nebraska's summer schedule. But I, one of the things with these conversations, I think that people should just kind of look back if they can. Like, more often than not, these guys make it in. 
Um, you know, for every Elijah Blades and Deontay Watts and what other, you know, ones you want to throw at me, there's Mo Berry, Jared Afalava, Maurice Washington last year, who people were convinced just wasn't going to make it. And lo and behold, shows up, qualifies several days before the start of the semester or start of the uh, practice, and then turns out to be a, a pretty important piece of their 2018 season. So I, I think that, you know, not saying that people should just have unwavered positivity about the situation but just because you read something or you heard something somewhere there's usually a lot more information that isn't known at this point than is especially when it relates to somebody's academics but that does bring us into the larger picture which is this spring we watched nebraska go through uh its practices without a real strong indication as to what that running game is going to look like because you didn't have ramir johnson you didn't have Dedrick Mills, you didn't really have Maurice Washington for much of the spring. What's your level of concern, you know, either with the Maurice Washington academics, um, or excuse me, the the Dedrick Mills academics, or without about Nebraska's replacement of Divino Zigbo and and providing a competent running game around Adrian Martinez in 2019? Well, it goes up significantly if Mills isn't here because I've always counted him as a guy who. Not only did he have a good JUCO career, but he's done it playing Power 5 football at Georgia Tech. It's not like this is his first taste of it. So I kind of feel like he's a guy where you 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 feel like at least there's proof on film that he can play at this level. And I just think he gives him a different style of back than the other guys. I think there's a little – I have some unease about that position, I'll be honest, because the Maurice Washington thing isn't settled. He's in court next on May 13th, I believe is the date, and they're picking his lawyer, and so who knows how swiftly that's going to move, but they need to get that tied up so you can make a decision on him um, by fall camp. And, um, I mean, that's a dynamic guy we're talking about, so – during the spring, it was kind of easy to push Maurice Washington to the side and say, well, that'll get solved in the summer. Well, we're here, and so uh, that, that that's going to be a big deal. I think Ramir Johnson is the wild card who people kind of forgot about a lot during uh, the recruiting class because it was exciting to talk about all these other guys, and now they're suddenly looking like, man, this guy might be a big deal. He might be necessary right away. Yeah, and I think he was a guy that – it was going to be a big part of it anyways, but just yep. hasn't gotten a run. Um, and certainly, I mean, I, I have a little bit of trepidation about the running back group just because, I mean, you saw how that looked in the spring. Um, but, you know, if Mills doesn't get here till July, it's a little bit of concern there. I mean, the, Maurice Washington, you don't really know what his situation is going to be. I mean, we'll probably get some more clarity on that one after the next court appearance, but – you know, he's, you know, wasn't there for a, a lot of the spring um, w- with the team working out. Uh, you kind of wonder what he's going to be able to do this summer. And, I mean, it, whenever Scott Frost would talk about him, it was, yeah, this guy's we think he's fantastic. He needs to add 20 pounds. So is he going to have the opportunity to do that over the summer? I mean, that, that's another cause for concern for me. But, I mean, if you're Ramir Johnson, and, and you talked to him recently, Brian, uh, you have to be thinking coming into Nebraska that you know you're going to need to be ready to go. I really like Ramir and the few conversations I've had with him that he he sets goals for himself and does, I don't think he taught 
he doesn't feel like he's a guy who boasts about himself a whole lot on social media or anything. He just, but he sets individual goals, and like he wants to run under was it twenty one in the two hundred. I mean that's that's stinking hard to do, and I don't necessarily think he's gonna do it. To be honest, <laughs> is that the first ever stinking hard on the. Uh... <laughs> on the podcast. I liked it. Stinking hard. We, avo- we avoided the explicit my family, rating for this podcast. My family this is says, a family friendly podcast. Well, my family doesn't Shuckies. curse, so they say stink a lot. Like we say, what the stink? Um, so, things you learn on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to start using what the stink. Yeah, it kind of catches on with you. My brother used to use that. There in the press box, you'll see a pass, and Bronson just turn look at Brian. <laughs> what the stink was that? Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up, but I'll certainly be paying attention for it now. I will give it to you. But Ramir, um, I mean, just the fact that he says, I'm going to try to do this in the next month. Like, I like that he's got that type of mindset. And he's not, like, declaring he's going to be the starter or anything. He's just saying, I'm going to show up, I'm going to work hard, and we'll see where it goes, but I'm going to come ready. And I I think fans can at least sleep a little easier knowing a guy like that's showing up. Yeah, no, no question. I, I think Ramirez's role is going to be bigger in 2019 than I maybe had originally anticipated. Though I'd always sort of felt like he wasn't going to be a redshirt guy, whereas you know Ronald Tompkins, the one that we don't talk about as much because of his two years of basically having a battle back from two different knee injuries. I'd be very curious what state he comes in at. Yeah, and uh, that's a guy that worked really hard to put himself in position to earn the offers that he did last summer. Uh, he committed to Nebraska in June, had come all the way back from that ACL and ran, I think, a 4-5 or five at Alabama's camp about a week before he got the offer uh, from Nebraska. And so he's someone that I don't anticipate we're going to see in 2019, but he's certainly a guy that, uh, you know, don't lose sight of Ronald Tompkins because if, it, if he's able to stay healthy, this was someone that could have been in the top – you know, 24-7 in the 2019 class, if we, you know, you're probably not even seeing him at Nebraska, if we're being all honest here. Uh, those, the first injury probably opened the door for him. The second injury certainly cemented he was going to Nebraska. So I, I think that Ronald Tompkins is someone to, to at least keep a, an eye out for uh, when reading practice reports in August. He's like a guy whose draft stock fell because of an injury, but you get in the fourth for fifth round and you might have just got a giant steal of a guy who is actually like a first or second rounder type pick. Do you think he's, do you, do you, I consider that there's like these categories where there's like natural running backs. Like I think a Dedrick Mills is a natural running back. And then you've got these versatile, like Wandell Robinson. How do you see Tompkins? Is it, do you, do you think he's, which, which category? I think he's more on the Mills mold, mm-hmm. but it's interesting. You talk to Kenyatta Watson or the guys in Georgia about him, and he's someone that could have played different positions. Mm-hmm. And and there was people who felt like he could have played safety or wide receiver. So uh, it seems like he might just be someone that's a really good football player. Um, but you look at his frame and his size, it, it seems like he's a little bit more – you put some weight on him, he could be pretty nice between the tackles runner for you that does have that burst uh, when he sees the open field. One thing about Ramirez, real quick, the thing he mentioned is I was I kept asking stuff about his speed, and he said at one point, like, basically, I'm more than speed. Like, I 
I know his listing isn't that great. Like I think he's one one seventy or something like that. That's what he's listed at. But he's he really fashions himself as a physical guy. Now he might find out he's got to he's got to do some Reese Washington bulking up to be a Big Ten back when he gets here. But that said, he's he's not a guy who is afraid to run between the tackles. He wants that to be part of his arsenal. Yeah. Well, we will certainly get the opportunity to see him, you know, in that South Alabama game. I'd be shocked if Ramir Johnson isn't playing at that point. Who else at running back? Well, we'll find out a little bit later this year, I would imagine. Let's uh, shift gears here to basketball. Nebraska missed out on center Jace Johnson from Utah. Seven-footer would have certainly been the kind of player that we haven't seen a lot in Lincoln in recent years in terms of a true center. He's choosing to go to Marquette. He visited Nebraska a couple weekends ago. Bruns, how big of a loss is this for what Fred Hoiberg is putting together? Well, I mean, it's it's a loss from the standpoint of you, you put the, the effort in to host the guy um, and bring him in and recruit him and – uh, you know, a seven-footer who was top five in the Pac-12 last year and rebounding. I mean, it, it's not a big secret that Nebraska needs depth at the four and five spot. They have nobody there um, right now as it stands, uh, or at least certainly a five that, that could, you'd feel good about in the Big Ten. Um, I, since we last talked Nebraska basketball, uh, Brady Hyman has put himself in the transfer portal uh, I'm trying to think what else has happened since then. It seems like every damn day there's something new. Thor and Harris are staying. Yes. Um, also, Nebraska picked up a commitment from Delano, Delano, I believe, Banton, um, a six foot eight, two hundred pound kid uh, who had been at Western Kentucky, former top one hundred prospect. He's going to be sitting out. Um, they didn't host anybody last weekend, which. You know, it was probably an opportunity to reset their board a little bit, see where they're at. Uh, but right now, on, they're going to have on campus uh, Shamil Stevenson, a uh, transfer from Nevada who transferred to Nevada from Pitt but never played at Nevada. Um, and another guy that's uh, he's Canadian, former four-star uh, type guy or high three-star, I think. Um, small forward, 6'6", 230, 40-inch vertical. Seven foot one reach, I think. So, uh, or six foot eleven reach. Excuse me. Um, so that's, you know, I guess more wings that, that they're looking at. But I mean, just with the, I mean, you're going to see Nebraska going hard in the portal uh, to try to find a center to, to help them right away. Just because, I mean, it, as much as you want to play positionless basketball and you know play four you or five guys out, you you got to have somebody that can play defense and rebound in the in the paint in the Big Ten. Why uh, why is Nebraska continuing to go into the Yukon territories for their basketball players now? I mean, why not, right? <laughs> They're available. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's some sort of connection there. It's interesting. I, I can't think of another Canadian basketball player that Nebraska's had. Right? Am I, am I missing somebody? I'm trying to think if there was anybody in the... No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, that was scintillating. It's, it's the yeah, that's but, great. Rated. That the, whole "Blame Canada" song from South Park cast Canada in a bad light for a while, so they st- steered clear. <laughs> They're like, "I think we can go back in there now, guys." <laughs> it's okay. We're cool. Enough time has passed, but obviously the transfer portal has high ceilings. 
Yeah. Um, we're learning that with basketball. Yeah. No, and it's – I mean, that that's – this is basically what you have to do and what, what the, the recipe for success is for Nebraska on the recruiting trail is you sort through those 600-some-odd names that are in the portal and try and pull somebody out that can help you right away. I mean, it's – I think there's more value in doing that than there is going in and, and trying to find somebody like at, a, at the junior college level. Um, so, I mean, that that's – I wouldn't be surprised if you see another official visitor pop up this weekend uh, as well, probably a big. Uh, but, you know, you, you get Stevenson in. I think Nebraska would have three left, three scholarships left. Yep. You have to do the math. Uh, and, you know – I still see people asking about Isaiah Roby and if he's coming back. He, he worked out for the Timberwolves yesterday. I believe he's with the Bucks today. Just do the Damian Lillard wave to Isaiah Roby. Yeah, I mean, it's, that would be my advice. I think that's uh, that's where we're headed. So, yeah, uh, James Palmer was invited to the G League camp as well, where if he performs, he can get an invite to the combine. Uh, so I think that's somewhat notable. As I still think that there's a small small chance he'd be drafted late in the second round as a intriguing guy his 611 wingspan has been brought up a ton i feel like every time he gets mentioned in any report that's what gets mentioned with james palmer tell you what though going over to europe and making a few hundred thousand tax free and getting a your living arrangements paid for in a card isn't a bad way to live either joining the rest of the europeans with their disdain of britain like yes brian <laughs> That's just that's just the vibe I got when I was out there in Switzerland. Would you go play professional basketball in Switzerland oh, if given yeah. the opportunity? Oh, in a second, I'd say goodbye, fellas. No, you did turn down an opportunity to play for FC Basel. I remember after I, your. I did just raise uh, my hoop in my driveway to ten feet too. So if you don't think <laughs> did you I still get some ha- shots, at? I still have some aspirations. I'm getting five hundred up a day. As a matter of fact, wow. Yes. I really want to get a text from you at like eleven o'clock on a Wednesday night in the summer that. Hey, you guys want to come over and hoop? You got lights? I'm yeah. just going to have a picture of me like out with like a light on my hoop and I'm be like I'm going to send a text like sleeping. <laughs> I'm not and you're going to you're going to know you got to grind, grind has, a little harder. Hashtag #grind season. Grind harder. Hashtag yeah. #greatness never sleeps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's I mean, I I can't think of anything. <laughs> did, did you see like more Dame, did you see Dame like making those long threes and you're like, "Wait a second, I got a basketball hoop." <laughs> but it's just, only seven and a half feet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a bear to get up to 10 too it wasn't one of those self-adjust ones oh. you gotta like unscrew it it was all hard. oh i was like you just couldn't take a broomstick and... nope no not on this one this is old school did you, I, wow did you when you had it at seven and a half though did you like check or see if anybody was looking and just go and throw down a dunk i dunked on it a couple of times <laughs> windmill you, you were you worry about those neighborhood kids being hot shots and you know hanging on your rim and i just didn't want that <laughs> how old are you 38 <laughs> all right well uh next week we'll find out if any neighborhood kids found a ladder and then we're dunking on brian's now 10 foot hoop uh maybe brian and i will discuss the big 10 east maybe you'll have some sock thoughts on uh Let's what's happening on the other side of the division we will be without michael brunts for a little while as he's taking a siesta and uh, that that means nap. <laughs> I mean, a long, it's a long, long ass nap. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it also? It doesn't mean just nap. Like, there's multiple meanings I to that, right? I always thought it meant a nap, but 
I've got to look this up. I'm not going to end the show just on that. Though it's not looking good for me right now. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like I was wrong. Bronx was right. And uh, we won't have to hear from him for a while. That's going to be his reward for getting that correct. But as always, check out the website, Husker247.com. Uh, plenty of stuff up. Brian's been contacting some 2019 signees. He's got good stories on Ramirez Johnson and Matthew Anderson. We've caught up with a few of Nebraska's recent offers. Uh, you know, There's a lot of them. I, I was just waiting if, if you had anything to say there. There's a lot of them. We caught up with some of those. Brunson will have some baseball stuff. Nebraska's trying to make the, the Big Ten baseball tournament where it looks like they're safe. They're safe. And uh, they're trying to make the NCAA regional. So we'll have all of that this week as well. They play Arizona State for three starting on Friday. We'll catch you next week.